Welcome to episode one of Confidence. Let's get moving for our mental health. So before I tell you who I am, I want to first tell you why I'm here. The goal of this podcast is to really build confidence through mental and physical fitness. I'm convinced that spending time outside and exercising is just what the world needs more of right now. So I'm here to make that happen. And I'm kind of hoping that you will join me on this adventure. There's one rule and there's one rule only for this podcast. And that is if you're listening, you have to be moving. I'm currently walking through my local park and there are people staring at me thinking I am probably mad talking to myself. But that is not how my morning started. So really, I slam my door shut, and now I'm here in the park, talking to you. Hi, my name's Steph. To tell you the truth, I've probably been parking the idea of this podcast for a while. How could I tell people to move, to exercise, to work on their mental health, when that's not something I've been doing? To tell you the truth, um, the pandemic and the last few months have hit me kind of hard. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. There's been ups and downs, but no matter how hard I tried, I could not make the time to exercise. I'd set my alarm early and no matter how good my intentions were, I just couldn't do it. But I know that when I do do it, it makes me feel great. And that's something I hope you'll come to see as well. So I'm kind of hoping, really, that you and I could get into a bit of an agreement. If I show up to work on my mental health, will you? That's the challenge. So my hope is that we can spend time together moving outdoors. On that note, I think I've done enough talking. I've introduced myself. You know a bit about who I am. I'm going to shut up for two minutes so you can tune into your environment and your thoughts and spend a little time with yourself. I'll be here the whole time walking through the park so you don't stop moving either. On the other side of the two minutes, I have a guest that I'm so, so, so excited about. She's going to be joining us on our walk for the next few minutes. So take these two minutes out to yourself and then join me again on the other side.
Welcome back. I hope you're still moving. I now want to introduce you to a very near and dear friend. Her name is Amanda and she's going to be joining us for the rest of our walk. Amanda has a very special story to share. She is going to open up about her trauma, living with the impact of trauma and I'm very very happy to have her here with us today. So Amanda, take it away. I actually met Steph through her amazing sister. We went to university together in Kingston in London. I still live in Kingston with my boyfriend and even though I'm 22 we've actually been together for seven and a half years which is always a fun fact to share with people because they all go and gasp. (laughs) I studied interior design and I now work full-time in London however I am furloughed at the moment due to (laughs) COVID-19. You had your own mental health battles but you also live with someone who is it fair to say has severe mental yeah, health? Suffers with really bad depression, anxiety. Um, yeah, he's suffered with it for his whole life. I guess the thing that I should point out actually about um, Sam is that he is Aspergic. So for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Asperger's is a form of autism. Um, depression and anxiety is commonly linked with that. Right, so just to begin with, Tell me a bit more about your personal experience with your own mental health Mm. issues. My mental health issues actually came later. So I have always been quite a fairly confident person. Like I've, I don't really, I never had anxiety. Like I could talk in loud groups of people and, you know, like you get those kids in school that are even too scared to put their hands up. Like I was the annoying girl that had her hand up every 10 seconds because my mum told me if you know the answer just put your hand up so I put my hand up (laughs) um I would always like ask to read the science book in class like I was that annoying person um so yeah I never really suffered from anxiety or depression I was quite a happy-go-lucky kid always laughing and then I suffered with kind of like a traumatic event that happened during my first year of university and that triggered PTSD. Um, I haven't technically been formally diagnosed with PTSD, but I did go to multiple counselling sessions. Basically, uh, an organisation that helps young people with mental um, health issues, and I had to do this, like, long assessment, and she said, like, I definitely have PTSD. Um, They couldn't... Like, if I had taken it to a doctor and I could have actually got a formal diagnosis, but... I chose not to because I guess I can get into that later, but it, sometimes you don't want a formal diagnosis. You, you described yourself as a, as a happy-go-lucky kid. What was it like to kind of be carefree, not have these anxieties, and then all of a sudden you're, you, you have a trauma and you're, you have PTSD? Or Did you have depression as well? Was that, was that part of it? Yeah, so... PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder and it can show itself in multiple ways. As you said, it definitely was a change. My first feeling when I ever see feel a symptom of my PTSD, I just feel frustrated. I feel like the happy-go-lucky person has been stolen out of me. Now that's getting deep. Um, <laughs> I I just feel annoyed because... If a traumatic event 
literally can edit the pathways in your mind to be a bit negative, more negative than you'd like it to be. It's really sad that that change has occurred in yourself. My PTSD shows itself as low moods uh, that come out of nowhere and it kind of feels like a black cloud is above your head and you're looking around and everybody else is fine and you're just like, why do I feel like this? And it never needs to have a reason and that's what it's always hard to understand I think when when we meet people that say that they have depression and they sometimes I've met people who have explained it the same way like a gray cloud over your head you can't really understand that until you've really felt it and it definitely is doesn't need to have a reason and then that's what's annoying about it is that you don't understand why you feel that way and another way that my PTSD comes out is (laughs) I would, I again, this is kind of self-diagnosed, OCD tendencies for sure. My friends and Sam, my boyfriend, will definitely vouch for that. My OCD tendencies is, I call it my door anxiety. And I have this new thing that never used to exist about making sure that doors are locked and shut. And it's like this overwhelming anxiety that comes and it just goes, are you sure you lock that door? <laughs> So I've actually, like, on my way to work, you know, I'm leaving at, like, half past seven in the morning. Sam's still asleep. I'll shut the door and I'll walk to the bus. And I have walked back from the bus stop about four times, which is a good ten-minute walk, to check that I've shut the door because of that little voice in my head. And I also now... It, the problem is is that it is slightly progressing, so now I have this thing where I have to check all the taps. And it is all-consuming, and it, sometimes, like... Even if Sam's the one that shuts the door, I then have to double-check it and we'll be safe before lockdown. (laughs) If we'd be going out for dinner, like on a date or something, I would then be feeling anxious about the blimmin' front door for the next hour. And because I never had this before, it's just so frustrating. (laughs) I guess my only other kind of symptom that I have is panic attacks slash anxiety so I've only probably had maybe four panic attacks but when I've had them they've been really bad um and yeah just just random anxiety attacks that come from like simple things that used to be fine so me and Sam try and make a meal plan um at the beginning of the week and then we'll go food shopping and we'll try and stick to the list you know keep on the budget and sometimes I find that too overwhelming and I literally freak out and have a bit of a meltdown and I don't understand why and it's it's actually embarrassing but why why should it be talk me through that why why is there that sense of embarrassment I guess because I know how people knew me before and now I so to be honest I've only really spoken about all of the ins and outs of my mental health with a handful of my friends. Not all of my friends even would know that I've had a traumatic event happen or PTSD affect me. Even my some of my absolute best friends have no idea and then they might listen to this podcast and be absolutely shocked. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the truth. I guess sometimes I feel embarrassed because I don't want to admit that I'm suffering which is so stupid because as I said I've been living well I've been with Sam for seven and a half years 
I've known him for 11, which is insane. We met when we met at school when we was 11. Um, and I would never want him to feel embarrassed about his depression and low mood. So I, I know that other people wouldn't want me to be embarrassed, but it's always easier to say advice than take it. And just thank you for being so brave and opening up to us all. I... I'm sure people listening can um, will be able to relate. So tell me, um, I, I just want to loop back to where you said you didn't want an official diagnosis. Mm. I think that's so interesting because some people listening might have needed that to kind of name the thing they have, to, to take some power back maybe for them. But why, why is that not something you would have wanted? And then also just while you're talking... I think a lot of people often, I don't know, I imagine they'd like blast out of people who like prance around and saying, oh, I have anxiety, but it's kind of like never been mm. diagnosed, which I absolutely disagree with. I think that's, if that's what someone's feeling, they should have a right to feel what yeah, they feel. that's what I was going to say. I think when people become the anxiety police, it makes me laugh. Who are we to say that that person isn't feeling anxious? And if they're feeling anxious or not, if you don't know them, what difference does it make like I honestly don't I don't care if that person is lying or not or exaggerating or not because at the end of the day if they're saying they feel anxious and they're really not that's a cry for help and a different for a different reason so yeah I just personally would never try and become the anxiety police or the, just the mental health police when somebody if somebody says that they're feeling really low and they think they might have depression comfort them don't don't attack them and say are you sure you're feeling depression and in regards to the um the fact that I didn't really want an official diagnosis it I guess it was because so so this traumatic event happened in my first year of university which is four years ago now and I didn't tell anyone about it for a year I didn't tell a soul for 10 months and keeping that all in ruined my brain (laughs) the reason I didn't want an official diagnosis is because that would really make it real and it would mean that this event has physically and mentally changed me and that frustrates me. Why Why did I have to change? All of the questions, why did this happen to me, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Like, those feelings are real. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I say that to myself all the time. Why, why, why? And although that's a dangerous game to play because you can't be living in the past, it's very real and you're allowed to feel that way. I have to keep telling myself that. <laughs> right now, it wouldn't affect my life to have a piece of paper that formally diagnoses it or not. If maybe I was going to go back to uni and I had exams and my anxiety was taking over, then I would probably want that letter to kind of maybe show my tutors. But I'm not in that phase of my life currently. So, yeah, it wouldn't really make a difference to me right now. But I completely understand why other people would want a diagnosis because it kind of reassures you that like you're not going crazy you actually are suffering with something and just again thanks so much for opening up um you guys can't see amanda but (laughs) she's she really is digging into her depths and um and sharing what she feels with us so i'm feeling incredibly honored to be having this conversation I, i i have no doubt that people listening 
will have felt what you feel at some point, mm. whether that's anxiety, depression. Maybe they've been through traumas themselves. So how do you cope or get through your darkest days? What is that? What do your darkest days look like? And how do you get yourself through that? Oh, I, I would say... So, I mean, as I said, I didn't tell a soul for a good 10 months and the first person I told was Sam because he is my absolute rock in those 10 months I went through the the phases of trauma and the phases of grief almost like denial uh anger sadness like loss kind of like feeling lost um and then you have to in the end accept it and that's always the hardest part and um, within, the, within that 10 months where it was just me and my thoughts the thing that really got me through was the distraction of friends around me I was in halls and I'm so sure that there's probably at least one person listening who can kind of relate to the way that I felt and you're in halls and you've just made brand new friends you literally know no one like a proper friend you don't have any real friends up there yet and you've gone through literally the worst thing that's ever happened in your life and you're 18 and your parents aren't there and also you don't want to tell your parents and um you the way that I, I explain it from the click of the door so I'm in my bedroom and as soon as the door shuts and I hear that click I will probably melt down <laughs> I will just lay in my bed I used to cry all the time getting deep sorry everyone sorry if you're trying to have a really great Monday or Tuesday <laughs> um and but then the flip side of that is when I was on the other side of the door and the door clicked I just put on my brave face and like we all do there is so many of us sitting next to friends and you have no idea what they're actually going through because they're putting on their brave face and some people might think that that's kind of like why are they they should just be truthful about how no they don't want to they they need to try and survive their day so they're going to put on their mask they're going to put on their armor of whatever it is and they're going to power through because that is the only way you can't dwell in your feelings constantly there is a big dog (laughs) there's a big dog next to me (laughs) that was so funny this dog just came out of nowhere (laughs) and the other thing I want to just reiterate is the fact that these friends didn't know as I've explained but that was really important to me because I didn't want that to be the topic of conversation every day Um, I didn't want them to constantly be asking me how I was feeling, looking at me in a different way and thinking, oh, God, she's been through a really tough time. I didn't want that. And it was really important to me that I walked out of my room and I joined in and whatever chaos was happening, whether we're dancing in the kitchen or we're making pizzas or just watching movies or going clubbing. Is it possible that maybe you wanted to kind of have a place in the world where maybe your trauma didn't exist 100 percent, 100 percent, um definitely and i still have those spaces now so even though my 
uh, housemates that I lived with at uni, they are now all fully in the know about how I'm how I have suffered with mental health for the past like four years. But I still have those groups of friends that have absolutely no idea. <laughs> and it's really nice to have that because it's like they're not they don't have any um judgment or any distorted view of how I may or may not be feeling because of something that happened to me ages ago like it hasn't changed me completely like I still want to be the same person um and I am to a certain extent just with a couple more low days (laughs) I I'm sure people listening will absolutely be able to relate and um so you've opened up a bit about how you managed to cope and how friends were a huge part of that at the time Mm -hmm. how do you cope now or maybe cope is the wrong word how do you just get through it on days where Mm -hmm. that's really hard well I guess the other thing that I should actually point out quickly is the fact that Sam as I explained suffers with um depression and anxiety and he has done for his whole life Sam had a really Um, hard time as a kid yeah he had a really tough time and he was actually formally diagnosed with depression when we were 17 so that's just a year before I started university and the other important thing I should say is that the reason I didn't tell Sam sooner is because of the guilt of thinking if I tell him that now I'm feeling sad will that kind of tip him over the edge and will he be able to cope with that and then it's that thing of always putting others before yourself which is great but also you should put yourself first sometimes and maybe I should have told him sooner because I really was suffering but now the amazing thing about how I can get through the days now is that because I live with him and he's experienced these kind of emotions before he's really understanding and if I literally am standing in like sometimes I'll be sat on the sofa we'll be chatting and then half an hour later I will literally feel this grey cloud come over me for absolutely no reason and I'm in a really low mood and it's not I'm not being moody, I'm numb. Like, you have no emotion in you, and you're like, this happened to me, honestly, yesterday. <laughs> and I was staring out the window, and I, and he was just looking at me, he's like, are you all right? And I was like, I, I don't feel anything. And then, in the end, we went out for a bike ride, because I honestly think, as you're doing, to get outside really helps. And even if you just go for a five-minute walk, if you just get out of that space, like, physical space that you're sat in currently, get outside you'll feel better i use the zoom out method so currently me and steph are in a park but like if you zoom out we're in kingston if you zoom out we're in well could you call it london or sorry this is a battle (laughs) then you zoom out we're in the uk you zoom out you zoom out we're on a floating ball it's like when you zoom out like that you're like oh do you know what i just want to like get outside i don't care about whatever what I don't care about not understanding how I'm feeling right now. I just need to, like, get outside. But it's just really helped me that Sam understands because I don't have any judgment from him. And he'll literally be like, whatever you need, let's just do that. Do you ever feel like you need to be his rock, but you also need to be your own rock? Do you ever feel like you're giving too much or you need to receive more? How, what, what what is that navigating that like? 
Well, the dynamic of our relationship changed. I can say that. So, before university, I will quite proudly say that I was the rock of the relationship. He was so low. I didn't want this thing to end, but I knew that I was giving too much. I I was kind of draining it from myself, trying to, like, feed him energy. And he was kind of just, like... As if, you know, when some... <laughs> You know, you've seen those films where they pretend to take a shot, but they put it over their shoulder. Yes. That's what was happening with my energy. I was actually pouring him shots of energy, and he was just tipping it over his shoulder, like, yeah, yeah, I had it. And I'm like, no, you didn't take it in. <laughs> then, when things flipped, and then I needed the support, it it just rocked the boat. And it, I think he was a bit... Well, we both were unsure of how it would work, because I then had these days that sometimes would clash with his low days and we'd both be low and we'd be like, hold on a minute, Amanda isn't cheering us up, like Amanda isn't pulling us out of this. But then over time, he then became aware of the ways that he could make me feel better. So then usually I would say, you know, 85% of the time, our low days don't clash, (laughs) which is great. But when it does... I think the way that we get through it in this kind of weird relationship is that we just support each other. And then I think by making the other person feel better, you in turn feel better. Okay, so this is so interesting and something I... Okay, let me just explain to people listening. I think Amanda, when she shuts that door, I think she still has that element of this happy-go-lucky person. I think from an outwardly person looking onto your life and Sam is more quiet and more within himself we are opposites <laughs> he he is an introvert through and through and I'm an extrovert completely <laughs> absolutely so and I know that people have made comments to you who don't know your full story Ooh, that they're topic. <laughs> yes that they're um I think almost I think it's fair to say that some people are like but you're too good enough for him. Oh. All the time, and it's really nice and annoying. I have had some of my closest friends make comments multiple times about, oh, how how do you deal with this? So, like, oh, you're 22, like, or however old. Like, do you really want to go through with this? Like, oh, yes, I do, thank you very much. People don't understand that mental health doesn't change a person completely like he is not depression i am not ptsd when i see my friends for a couple of hours and i see them maybe like once a month or every two months or something and then they think that they know the dynamic of your relationship they're making these comments without fully understanding the picture and they'll say things like, do you really want to try and, like, um, be with someone that suffers with depression this much? Like, doesn't it bring you down? And I'm like, well, yeah, it obviously is difficult and it brings me down. But the way that I describe it is that, number one, Sam didn't have depression when I first met him or first started going out with him. And he, within his bad days, he still has those amazing days I think some people can't necessarily manage and deal with being with someone that suffers this way, and that's also okay. 
but then thank god there are people that can because otherwise like who who gets to love them your relationship is a big source of um i think it anchors you and it does it does really support you and when you were going through your trauma it was also your friends that were supporting you mm. how what advice would you give to someone listening that maybe doesn't have that support isn't in a relationship and maybe doesn't have people they can confide in how would you help them what would you say to them there's actually a lot of resources out there and there's groups and like group therapy sessions you can go to that um that are targeted to people that have gone through very specific types of trauma so you know there's like domestic violence therapy groups or there's um you know sexual assault or i don't know lots of different types of awful traumas um and these therapy groups are full of people that would have experienced exactly what you're feeling and also if you're in education as much as it's you know annoying <laughs> to be like telling teachers because i know that feeling of like not wanting to tell teachers or not wanting to like bother getting staff involved sometimes if you have no one else these people would be the best person to talk to because they're not your family they're not going to be at your house when you go home you can talk to them in a safe space and then you can leave that space and go back to having your own sanctuary and when i when i went to counseling that was one of the like most freeing things and the thing that made a tremendous difference to the way that i felt was the fact that i could talk to this complete stranger because she wasn't going to judge me she didn't know me she didn't know how i act how i acted before versus how i act now she doesn't know my family she didn't know my friends so i could tell her literally my deepest darkest secret that i was keeping and she was just there for support because that's what they are paid and trained to do i'm so glad that i went to therapy because it, as i said even though i did have a support system i think that the counseling made one of the biggest differences because you could just get it all out and then you click that door and all of your horrible feelings are shut away in a complete different building to your house it isn't your bedroom it's not crying into your pillow this is actually talking through it with someone and understanding your emotions and why you reacted how you reacted and stuff and that is exactly why these kind of organizations exist for, to help you so we've spoken about how your mental health and how that affects personal parts of your life and those relationships tell me whether it has an impact on your professional your professional life your work you you said you're a designer you work full time what's the impact been in that sphere yeah unfortunately it definitely did actually impact other areas of my life including work in the sense that gosh on a sunday evening sometimes i can be genuinely trembling with anxiety and sometimes i'll be crying and it's kind of embarrassing again to admit but i'm admitting it because every i know that there's other people that would feel the same way i would experience like just this rush of anxiousness and panic i think part of it came from 
my personal job as an interior designer where I'm working currently there's only four of us and we had so much work to do and we also work in the sense that you don't go home until the work's done so sometimes I'd be staying until eight o'clock at night and then it would take me an hour and 50 minutes to get home and that's not nice (laughs) and then sometimes I'd stay so late where I didn't want that commute so I'd pay 20 pounds for an uber but then I'm like I just spent like almost two hours wages on an uber (laughs) like um and I think some of the anxiety streamed from that and the sense of I have so much to do and I don't want to come home late and I'm not sleeping enough and then the other side of it came from the fact that I knew I had to cope and like you can't break down at work all the time because I know that I need to put on that brave face you've got to get through the week and it is so tiring I used to get like knots in my stomach on the way to work not just on a Monday morning every morning because I was thinking oh I'm probably going to do something wrong I'm probably going to have to stay late um I have to hold myself together like I don't really I can't like I didn't want to go in that day but that was the feeling every day and as I said it wasn't because I didn't like my job it was the fact that I couldn't hold it together all the time but then when I got there, 80% of the time it was always better than I thought it was going to be because anxiety really plays on your mind and it gets you thinking the worst. But when you actually get there and it's not as bad, I, I sometimes would like have a massive sigh of relief and be like, oh my God, what was I worried about? Do you think it's your own pressure to kind of... Um be put together or do you think that's kind of society saying we can't fall apart I think it's a bit of both I think definitely there's this thing about do you know what I don't want to bring gender into this too much but I'm going to I think women have always been seen as emotional right and then you know you don't really hear much about men crying at work blah 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 but you hear about some women struggling at work and whatever and I didn't want to, to, like, build on, on the stereotype of, like, a woman being overly emotional. And I kind of wanted to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine, I can deal with this. And I think that definitely was the case as why I didn't really talk about my trauma for ten months. Because I was like, no, I can deal with this, I don't need help, I'm absolutely fine, I'm going to power through, I'm going to pretend that I don't feel emotions. <laughs> so I think I put a pressure on myself to try and, like, make sure in the workplace I remain professional I think from from my end this talk has been absolutely incredible I've learned so much and I really really hope that people listening will feel the same and be able to relate is there any last thing you'd like to talk about that you feel I haven't asked you about the floor is yours Amanda I reckon the last thing that I'd say is just be aware that you have absolutely no idea what someone's going through I in my first year of uni was the best faker (laughs) I my housemates who lived with me all of the hours of the day had absolutely no idea that as soon as I'd go into my bedroom I'd cry myself to sleep or the reason that I took extra long showers was because I was crying in the shower and I think whoever you think about when you've listened to this if 
anyone pops to mind, message them. Say, like, really ask if they're okay. Call them, FaceTime them, and be. And if if they're a friend or someone you know that you wouldn't usually kind of get deep and ask that, just joke about it and be like, I really want to make sure you're okay. Like, but at the same time, if if you're feeling how anything that we've talked about and you don't want to tell your best friend but you want to tell your fifth best friend you know the person that maybe you're not as close to do that you're you're just because someone's your best friend they're not entitled to know everything about you and it sometimes isn't because you don't want to tell them but in my case it's because you want to keep those people separate like they're your closest friends like you want to keep that separate from all of these negative emotions and that's fine so I would just say that if you're in a massive friendship group or if you have no friends if if there's anyone around you 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 have no idea what they're going through the person walking on the street could have had the absolute worst day of their life or the absolute best day of their life or an average day of their life just smile at someone and that's so cheesy but genuinely imagine you're walking down the street and a random person smiles at you that just automatically makes you feel good and if you're having a really low day that would really lift your spirits up so that's what i would say we love that amanda i think that was the best way to end off i i know i think i'm gonna go message a few people and make sure they're they're doing okay huge thank you for joining me in moving for our mental health i really appreciate that I'm going to post a photo of myself and Amanda on Instagram. So uh, head over to Ad Competence on Instagram to see the face behind the very wise words. Otherwise, you can find Competence at competence.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening to episode one. I just want to say a huge thank you to Amanda for joining us. And I will see you for episode two. In the meantime, keep moving for your mental health.